0: Hello vampires and slayers. This is Mixtress Ray and you're listening to What's this bitch talking about? To which the answer to that question is every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly 20 years after its original air date. Which means tonight we're talking about Beer Bad and then there'll be a postscript that actually might be just as long as the bu- the discussion on the Buffy episode this week. Um talking about the Angel episode that aired the same night. Um because I think they were back-to-back I think it was like literally Angel showed right after Buffy um so that episode is Room with a View that we're going to talk about tonight so let's get into it first okay first I want to tell you guys a little story if you are a listener to my radio show um and you listened on Friday night you already heard this story so I apologize in advance for making you hear it again Um, Of course, you can just skip forward, since this is a podcast, if you don't want to hear it again. Okay, so I learned something interesting about beer um, while I was listening to the Buffering the Vampire Slayer Buffy recap podcast, which is part of my research for doing this podcast. And um, I just thought it was really interesting and something that, like, we should all know. (laughs) So back in the day, back in the Middle Ages everybody used to drink beer instead of water, like, because you would die from all the crap that was in the water. So, um, and they didn't realize that the reason why the beer didn't kill them, even though they used water in to make beer, was because they had to boil the water to make the beer. So, anyway, people of all ages drank beer. They did not even drink water. Because they would die. And it was up to usually the woman of the household to make the beer for the family. So if you were a person that didn't have, you know, a woman in your household making beer for you, you would buy beer from people that they called alewives. I'm telling the story much more succinctly the second time. (laughs) And the way that alewives would traditionally signal that they had beer to sell, if um, they would do two different things. At their homes, they would put um, a broom above their, like, or on on their door frame, above their door frame, next to their door, on their door, something. They would put brooms outside of their house to signal to people that they had beer for sale. Since it was just traditionally women that made all the beer. Um, and then... If they were out in public, they would wear a tall black pointy hat to signal to people that they had beer to sell. So these were entrepreneurs. They were um, taking care. They were either like taking care of their families by making beer, or they were taking care of their community by making beer um, and making money for themselves. So traditionally, alewives would be single because they were making money for themselves and they didn't need to marry a man and they usually would surround themselves with cats because cats helped keep the rats away I guess rats are attracted to beer I don't know and they make beer in big cauldrons um traditionally so all of like the imagery that we associate with witches came from these alewives so I just think that's really cool and then what happened was the, um, the church got really upset that, you know, women were making money for themselves doing this. So they just ran a whole propaganda campaign to demonize the alewives. Um, and eventually that practice probably fell out of favor because of them and it was such a pervasive and effective propaganda campaign that when the Salem witch trials happened which was around that same time period I mean it was later but it was in the propaganda put out by the church demonizing alewives by like portraying them with you know portraying them in an evil light with things that they were already doing, with items that they already used to um, signal to people that they were alewives, such as broomsticks and pointy hats and the like. They used that same imagery when they were trying to, when they were persecuting witches. So the wives imagery of pointy hats and broomsticks and cats, became and cauldrons became witch imagery because of the church they just brought when they were doing all their propaganda against witches they brought that back into the forefront because people saw alewives as being demonized because they did that in the first place isn't that interesting and also terrible aren't men terrible let's talk about it okay um So, I did things a little differently this week. I want to know if you notice a difference in the quality of my podcast. I only watched the episode once this week. And I just now, instead of watching it a second time and taking notes like I normally would, I went through my research mode of going through all my different Buffy books and taking a few notes from those. And then I also watched a Buffy recap on YouTube that I really like. It is um, TPN, which stands for The Passionate Nerd. He has a Buffy guide, and he has really thoughtful um, thoughts. Thoughtful thoughts on episodes of Buffy. So I thought for an episode like this, I could test it out. Like, you know, if, if that seems like I haven't done enough research and I don't sound as intelligent as usual or you're not getting as much out of it as you normally do because I didn't watch the episode twice and take I didn't take as copious of notes this time, um, let me know because I definitely don't want the quality of my podcast to suffer um, if this becomes a habit for me that I only watch it once. I think as a rule I do need to watch the Buffy episodes more than once but this particular episode is just not very serious so I just decided not to watch it a second time. I still did research. I still sat in my room and did research for like 45 minutes before I started this. You know, anyway. I know most of y'all probably don't care. (laughs) Okay, let's read the... Oh my god. Nikki Stafford hates this episode. She wrote like two paragraphs about it and she basically... Um, her last sentence was, "This episode was such an insult to both the characters and the viewers that I really don't want to waste any more paper talking about it." <laughs> I don't feel the same, but um, anyway, let's read her little summary of the episode. When the beer at the campus bar is poisoned, it turns the students into a bunch of cavemen and women. We get cave slayer in this episode. I. I mean, this is kind of a universally maligned episode, but I like it. I just... I I like that every once in a while there's just a lighthearted Buffy episode. You know, this episode almost feels more sitcom-y in a way. It's not... It's just not serious. It's just... It's not subtle at all. Typically, the metaphors in Buffy are a little bit more well thought out than this one. Because this one's literally like the title is Beer Bad. So some backstory about this episode. There was some sort of initiative from the White House. I don't know all the technical wording. But it was some kind of thing that they were making deals with the TV networks at the time in 1999 um they were making deals with the tv networks to create narrative structures in to create like entire episodes that were basically after school specials against drug and drugs and alcohol and they would essentially you know it would be they'd give money they'd give funding to the show in order for them to you know promote drug and alcohol abstinence to kids so the WB that had Buffy on it at the time, they signed up for this and they did this with their shows. So there's some like, sorry, I got to turn my monitor off. It's like having problems. I think I might have to get a new one. Um, so there's some like people don't know for sure if this particular episode of Buffy was supposed to go with that initiative or not, but ultimately the government did, or the White House or whatever, did assess this particular episode of Buffy and they said, quote, they rejected the funding, even though this episode definitely promotes abstinence from beer, you know, it's definitely hitting you over the head with the beer bad um, mentality, but they rejected this particular episode Uh, government made a deal with many networks to promote drugs are bad propaganda thus beer bad but funding was rejected because otherworldly nonsense so there was a a whole quote but basically it started with they felt that kids would not make the connection between beer being bad (laughs) in real life (laughs) because of the otherworldly nonsense that um, is Buffy the Vampire Slayer I tend to believe that because this episode is so not subtle and so hitting you over the head with it, I almost think that the writers were doing that as kind of a fuck you. Like, watch this. You want us to do anti-beer propaganda? We'll do it and we'll be real, real not subtle about it so you can understand. And they still called it otherworldly nonsense and thought that people would make the connection They thought they wouldn't make the connection when the episode is called Beer Bad. (laughs) They were, I think they were just literally tongue-in-cheek creating an episode to go with this initiative with a real middle finger. That's what it sounds like to me. Um, But it was rejected because otherworldly nonsense. (laughs) So I just, I don't know, I love that. That makes me appreciate the episode a little bit more if I view it through the lens of they were giving a big middle finger to the government with this episode because it does really seem very over the top. Like, but that's not exactly out of line with the general message of Buffy because Buffy is a very, when it comes to morality, it's very not subtle. It it very much hits you over the head with its morality. And this episode takes that to a new a new extreme so I don't think it's necessarily you know off-brand for Buffy to have a whole episode about how beer is bad I mean it's just a little bit much to be like okay you drink some beer you turn into a cave slayer like mm, okay so anyway this episode oh my god So that whole moment where Xander says, nothing can defeat the penis, and it's obvious that it was, like, re-dubbed in, recorded again, and dubbed in, but it's so bad that I feel like they did it on purpose. Like, it can't be that bad. If they had to re-dub his voice in that moment for whatever reason, with that line, they wouldn't have made it sound that awful, surely. (laughs) It's, it's possible it wasn't even Nicholas Brendan saying the words it was just so off-putting I don't know I'd love to know if you guys have any theories as to like what they were trying to say with that because it seemed intentional so Xander just got a job at okay the, wait let's start with the episode opens with um Buffy is slaying and there's like this real like serious techno music in the background and she's really kicking ass and when she she slays like you know five vampires or something and then Parker walks up at the end it turns out she just saved his life and he's like oh my god I'm so sorry I was awful to you do you think that you could maybe someday forgive me and blah 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 and then you realize that she is just daydreaming about this while she's in class I found this part of the episode to be very relatable like, that was something that I did, not necessarily from boys that, like, were mean to me, but I would regularly, like, back when I was in high school, have fantasies about boys that I liked about saving their lives. That was the thing. That was the thing that I did. I, They were always the damsels in my fantasies, so I found that particular moment relatable to see. You don't really see very many moments of daydreaming in Buffy that I can remember. And so this is, I I think, just think it was a nice touch. Like, of course you're going to daydream while you're in class. That's a thing that you do. And so she's still, that's just set up that she's still, you know, hung up on Parker, which at this point, it is like two episodes too late for her to be hung up on Parker. Like, I really think she would be moving past it by now. The way that she's reacting to the situation. I mean, I get it. I get it like I don't know, what was it like 3 episodes ago that they slept together? It's just been a little too long for her to still be going through this. But I've said that before, so I'll move on. Okay. So then she goes back in. So then okay, so she comes out of the daydream and another just like hitting it on the nose. She's in Professor Walsh's class and she is talking about Freud's theories about the id, the ego, and the superego. So the guy from TPN, he talked about that. What did he say? He compared, um, so the id is like, you know, just your basic needs, sex, food, and shelter. Your ego is sort of like your regular everyday life, sort of your more rational adult self. And then your super ego is like the best possible version of yourself. And so he compared the id. He said there was like a theory of Buffy, and I hadn't heard this before, where, you know, if you think of all of the characters of Buffy as being just aspects of herself, the id would be Xander the ego would be Willow and the superego is Giles so I thought that was cool that's is an interesting way to think about it I don't really subscribe to all the Freudian shit I think he kind of had some foundations of good ideas but he just he took it too far because he was a cocaine addled person <laughs> so those kinds of people that, that uh, imbibe a lot of cocaine are a little bit crazy so that's how the episode opens. She's in class daydreaming about Parker <laughs> and she goes back into the daydream after you get the little aside from Professor Walsh about, Walsh about id, ego, and superego where she like redoes the fantasy only this time Parker shows up with an unbuttoned shirt, ice cream in one hand, and flowers in the other. <laughs> I really liked that and it was not just ice cream. It was ice cream with the lid off and a spoon in it. I mean, it was ready to go, you know? <laughs> I thought that was cute. Um, but, you know, he's in that class too. So you see him like flirting with girls. And I think you've seen that for the last few episodes that he's just sort of like, you know, flirting with girls in the background. You just see him doing it everywhere. It's just a different girl all the time. And TPN, the TBN guy, um it's weird calling him tpn (laughs) but that's what his thing is called tpn's buffy guide on youtube anyway he was calling parker a con man like the whole conversation i'm skipping ahead but the whole conversation that he later has with willow where he's like trying to seduce her and she's talking to him about like why did you do this to buffy blah 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 and he's like you know, he kind of makes some good points at one point. He's saying things like, you know, Buffy should move on. I, I moved on. Buffy should move on. Like it was a, it was a great night. I, you know, I don't think casual sex should have to be prefaced with, you know, by the way, I'm not going to get any older with you, you know, And he's saying all this stuff that kind of makes sense. Like, it's not wrong that Parker wanted to have casual sex with Buffy. What's wrong is that he is a con man. He led her to making the decision to sleep with him. He led her to making choices, compromising her, what she wanted. He, like, he didn't explicitly lie to her but he manipulated her like that story that he told about his dad and how he likes to live life for now. The reason he told that story is because he was provoking a certain response. He wanted to have sex with Buffy and he wanted her to make the decision to live in the now. And he uses that story. You see him saying it to someone else. So it's not something that he, you know, he's using it. It's He's a predator. He's a predator and a con man. Like I feel like there's a way I mean, I don't know because i've I've not I'm not capable of casual sex. I have I see nothing wrong with it, but I also am a, am a very upfront person. so if I had if I was okay with it for myself personally, I feel like I would tell someone. I'd be like, look, I'm not looking for anything right now. I mean, if you still want to do what we're doing right now, let's go. But I just want you to know that like, I'm not going to be emotionally available. <laughs> like, I feel like you couldn't say that to someone. And I mean, it might sound, it might be kind of awkward to say something like that to someone, but you fucking do it anyway, because you don't want to hurt someone, right? I don't know. It's, he's, We, I mean I don't need to make an argument for why we don't like Parker right we don't like Parker and it's not because he's a terrible human being but he's being manipulative to get what he wants and it's just not genuine so not cute um oh she Buffy goes to visit Xander at the bar because he's a bartender now and she just bumps into Riley and spills his beer all over him the guy from TPN said it was ice water so maybe Riley wasn't even drinking beer um that's kind of funny that he would be in a bar drinking ice water okay (laughs) and he made the joke that like he was surprised it wasn't warm milk I know everybody likes to make fun of Riley but I'm really going at it this time with I'm being as open-minded as possible when it comes to Riley um Oh, but okay. So Riley runs into Buffy or she runs into him, spills his drink all over him. And he's like, they have a little conversation where he, he, Buffy says something like she's, she's looking at Parker or something. Cause Parker's in the bar with a woman, of course. And Riley's like, oh yeah, it's a new woman every week. He's got a really short attention span or something like that one thing I will give Riley points for in this moment is that he starts to comfort Buffy a little bit. He's like, um, well, my grandpa used to say, or my dad used to say or something. He starts telling her a story and she's not listening. And it's obvious she's not listening. And most guys don't even notice when it's obvious you're not listening. Let's be honest. But he immediately notices and he's like, you don't even care what my dad used to say or whatever it was. And he stops telling the story and I give him points for that. You know, she was distracted. She wasn't, you know, ready for his story that, that I mean, he was telling her because he was trying to comfort her in that moment. But when she didn't look receptive, he just stopped without like acting like his ego was bruised or anything like that. uh, He just stopped telling the story. It's like, oh, you don't care. (laughs) and that was it and he's just been very polite and respectful to her he's kind of tried to help her out a little bit you know he gave her like a little pep talk in the last episode which I don't even know if I mentioned but I don't know I just like him I just think he's sweet um we see Veruca in her band so this is the first time we saw her for a second in the first episode of the season I believe. Um, just walk by, but this is so Oz and Willow are at the bronze together, just alone, I think and um, Baruga's band is playing. and Oz is just like bewitched by her. And like I get why they're showing this the way that they are, but it's a little, again, it's a little over the top. everything in this episode's a little over the top like, The fact that he was paying attention to a band. Like, I guess Willow can just tell that he is transfixed by her. Sorry, I had to pause and sneeze there. So he's transfixed by by Veruca. Everybody, let's take a deep breath together right now. Next episode is going to be the one where... Oz cheats on Willow and then he leaves town it's going to be there's gonna be crying there's gonna be snot um it's gonna suck and we're gonna have to say goodbye to Oz and we'll see him for one other episode but that's it so get ready (laughs) (coughs) okay so Buffy ends up drinking a bunch of beer that night right after she runs into Oz a bunch of like pompous college boys that you know love to listen to themselves talk, which Buffy says at one point, like, you guys really love to hear yourselves speak. So four college boys, um, like just kind of lure her over to their table because she's alone. She just went there to visit Xander and they get her to drink beer. So she drinks a bunch of beer. So we see her the next morning in the dorm. Willow is talking to her. She's, um, and she's just very like, staring at the TV going TV good bright colors <laughs> um and she is just speaking in very short sentences um turns out the beer that they're all drinking I love that it's called Black Frost I don't know why it just sounds like a beer but I don't think it's actually a real beer but it sounds like it so I think props to them for coming up with a real sounding beer title um Willow goes so it's that night Willow goes to talk to Parker she's just like she goes to confront him essentially um after like a weird conversation between between her and Oz like Oz goes to see her um this is the night after you know he was all bewitched by by Veruca And he's inviting her to go to the bronze to see them play again, because I guess they asked Oz to sit in with them. And it's also kind of, I mean, they're, they're really laying the groundwork for the fact that they're going to break our hearts next week because, you know, Willow sort of mentioned several times, like you weren't in class again today, or she, she gave him notes or something. Um, She mentioned it in the beginning of the episode and then she mentions it again in this little conversation. Like, why weren't you in class? And they're just in the hallway for a second. He's inviting her to go out and watch them play. And he's like, I'm going to sit in with them tonight. They asked me to sit in with them. So I guess he's going to play with Shy, which is, I don't know why they had to call it. I mean, I guess they can't call it THC because that might be promoting drugs in an episode where they were trying to not promote drugs. (laughs) So that might be the entire reason why the band is called shy instead of the actual band's name, which is THC. Um, so yeah, it's just like this little disjointed conversation. They don't even touch each other and they always touch each other. You know, they always just like hug or whatever, but they're just sort of standing there and Willow's like two nights in a row of Ruka's band. I don't know. I don't think I want to do that or whatever. And I was like, yeah, I can see how that might be boring for you, which is understandable. Like it's a sweet boy move. Like most boys think that you want to go watch them play in their band every single night. And like, you know, um, and they're like, she's like, okay, I'm going to go study in the library. Bye. And then you just sort of like turn around and walk in opposite directions down the hallway and that's it you know they don't like kiss goodbye or it's just awkward and so right after that moment Willow goes to talk to confront Parker like she doesn't do it on purpose I think she's just happens to be in the same place as him and she's like okay while you're here buddy I'm gonna give you a piece of my mind why did you do this why are you like this you know all that shit and he starts in on her and he starts trying to charm her And, you know, we see several scenes with them together and we think that she's buying it, but that whole thing ends with, at one point he like puts his hand on her hand and she's like, how gullible do you think I am? Which I used to interpret that as she was painting herself as being smarter than Buffy, but probably not, um, that's just me being overly sensitive um that's probably not what she was doing she was just you know playing into his con man bullshit because she wanted to get the full story and then she gives him which makes it more effective so she was actually kind of like being a little bit manipulative here because she was acting like she was buying all his shit and like you get the illusion that they were talking together for a long time because you know they start out like talking at a table and then later you see them sitting on couches next to each other and all that and you know he's just really laying it on thick that like I can talk to you you're different you know that kind of thing and you she looks like she's into it um but then she says how gullible do you think I am and she just gives him you know She gives them what for? I don't remember exactly what she said, but she does. Um, at that point, wherever they are, it's like some sort of loungy, um, it's not a library, like kind of like a dimly lit campus coffee shop or something. I don't think we ever see this place again, but it looks like a cool place to hang out. Um, people are like studying. It's definitely like a student hangout type spot. So the whole thing is the beer is turning people into cave humans. So at this point, the pompous dudes that gave Buffy the beer the night before are like fully reverted. So they're just like running around making ape noises and it's awful and loud. That's the thing that's the least, my least favorite part about this whole episode is there's a lot of like really loud noises in this episode there's just moments of pure loud pandemonium which I guess that's what it's supposed to be pure unadulterated chaos but it's just not cute just not cute and it hurts my ears um but anyway they somehow end up in the same place where Parker Willow are and they set everything on fire accidentally somehow I don't remember how so the whole place is burning and Buffy at this point has completely reverted and she's got dreads and this episode was actually nominated for an Emmy when it comes to hairstyles and I think that totally makes sense because if you pay attention to people's hair in this episode it it's telling a story like every single hairstyle is telling a story in this episode. Parker's hair looks good, Buffy's hair looks good before and after Cave Slayer. um, It's just all dready and messy and I love it. I always love that hair. I know, like, there's some controversy surrounding, like, white girls having dready hair, but personally, I just think, you know, if you, if your hair's capable of doing it, then why not? Like, if any of us, if we just stopped brushing and washing our hair, it would dread up. Like, all of us. So, I don't know. I, I tend to have some problems. I think I've said this before. I... I am a white girl that has culturally appropriated in my life and I have trouble understanding like certain aspects of it I totally get like why something is appropriating someone else's culture but I think dreadlocks is just kind of it's just a thing that anyone can do so I mean I get that it's going to be easier if your hair has a lot of texture in it to do that but anyway her hair wasn't like fully dreaded or anything it was just kind of like a little dreaded so I get why this episode got nominated for an Emmy (laughs) I thought they won but in the Buffy episode guide it says they were nominated so maybe they didn't actually win but it's good hair in this episode that is absolutely true um, so Buffy ends up there's this whole thing with like Giles and Xander cause Xander you know since he's the bartender he sees all the shit happening he eventually puts it together and talks to the owner of the bar the owner of the bar is you know doing a magic thing and infusing the beer with the stuff and he's like it's gonna wear off in a day or two you know I just wanted to put these pompous college kids in their place blah 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 and Xander goes to get Giles And Giles is kind of giving him a lecture. I can't believe you served that beer to Buffy. And Xander's like, well, I didn't know it was evil beer. And Giles says, you knew it was beer. And Xander's like, okay, Mr. Electric Kool-Aid Funky Satan Groove. (laughs) Or he's like, this coming from the guy that spent the early 60s in an Electric Kool-Aid Funky Satan Groove. and Giles was like the early 70s thank you <laughs> that was a cute little moment um so they try to like tie her up or something but she knocks them out and gets away and when she goes outside she smells the fire so it's somewhere on campus that they are just like a lounge campus oh man I remember that you know i didn't have like the dorm thing when i was in college because i was like a non-traditional student i didn't start going to college until i was like oh it would have been 23 i think when i went back It was 23 so i wasn't you know that old but um but I, that's something that i miss i miss that like hanging out in places and studying thing like I never made any friends in college so it's not like I was hanging out with other people but I regularly would hang out in the library and I mean I could do that now if I wanted to like you know they don't like turn you away from the college library it's this huge place that was like four floors And there were, like, so many cool little nooks and crannies of places that you could sit. And there was a coffee shop on the ground floor. So you could, like, go there, get your coffee and snacks, and then, like, go up to the third or fourth floor and find a couch in a corner somewhere. And, like, I used to take naps there in between classes. (laughs) And, like, there was this, oh, my favorite spot was just, like, this little couch, this little couch loungy area that was kind of tucked in bookshelving, shelving like you have to like really explore the library to find that spot oh man I'm getting nostalgic for the <laughs> and I just went to college in like the university in my hometown so I literally could go there anytime because I still live there I should go there someday and just like pretend I'm studying like <laughs> and they had a quiet room that like you weren't supposed to talk at all in that room I'd go in there sometimes god, that was a lot of fun. So I'm absolutely the willow nerd that would, that loves to go to places and, I mean, yeah, I remember Michael and I going there even after we graduated, like, probably just a couple of times we did it, like, on a Sunday afternoon or something, like, let's go to the library and pretend we're studying, like, all times. We haven't done that in a long time, though. It sounds like a fun activity. Um, anyway, so what are my notes saying at this point? so Buffy smells the fire she goes she says Willow like she still has some of her wits about her I think for two reasons one Xander sort of cut her off and he did not pay the same respect to the other kids and they reverted way further than her so she's sort of like her hair's a little dreaded she's definitely like dumbed down but she's not like full crow mag like the boys are, they like transitioned and they look like cavemen because they're like wearing prosthetics on their faces and everything. But she still looks like Buffy just with a wild look in her eyes um, and dreaded hair. So I think for her, you know, because he cut her off early, she didn't revert quite as far. And also because, I assume, because she's the Slayer, so she's stronger she's able to withstand that. So, um, mm-hmm. so Giles and Xander are on the case, basically like, I mean, this, this is a really low stakes episode because they find out, you know, this particular spell is going to wear off in a couple of days. So basically all they have to do is contain these people until they sort of like wake up and they're fine again so they try to contain Buffy but she gets away but she ends up saving everyone um so even though she's in her cave slayer state she's still able to she doesn't have her full wits about her like she got a fire extinguisher off the wall but she couldn't figure out how to use it and she ended up just throwing it towards the fire (laughs) which I thought was actually cute like that's probably what I would do if I were in that situation because I wouldn't know how to use a fucking fire extinguisher and you're like looking at the instructions and like you can't breathe and like oh god how does this thing work I have no idea I have to attach a hose and like what do I do I have no idea anyway so she ends up like kicking out this door because because the place that they're in is kind of underground and they can't get out or something so she ends up kicking out this window that's at the top of the room that's at ground level and she helps everyone get out and Parker is among them but she saves Willow first like she just somehow remembers that Willow is her friend um, and saves her and then she saves Parker and um, so they're just kind of sitting around outside afterwards after everyone got out of the fire situation and they've got all the cave dudes locked up in a van which Xander did apparently and he's like Charles's like whose van is that Xander's like I don't know it was unlocked I <laughs> just put him in there um and it's just funny it's just funny because it's low stakes like it'll wear off you just gotta make sure they don't kill themselves or each other and everything's fine um couple of rapey moments with the cave dudes like every time they saw a woman I mean they wouldn't actually do anything of it they'd just be like it's a woman and they just sort of like start jumping around like apes so it was kind of like on the verge of being a rapey situation like if they hadn't been stopped would something like that have happened possibly I don't know um and then there's that great moment where like this is the end of the episode. Parker comes up to Buffy and he's like, oh my God, you saved my life. I've been awful to you. Thank you so much. Do you think you could forgive me? So, so a lot of the same shit that he was saying in her daydream earlier. And she's just looking at him and she kind of cocks her head and she has this stick for some reason. She hit him over the head with it earlier um, before she carried him out of the fire. And she does it again. And that's how the episode ends. And it's just a great little moment. That is her final catharsis last nail in the coffin of fucking parker we don't have to possibly ever even see him again i don't think so yay parker's gone so happy about that um what else we got here okay i think i said everything so let's get into the ratings for beer bad um object of the episode i struggled with this so I decided that it was Buffy's tiny TV because there's just this moment, um, when she hits the TV cause she's like, she's watching like a luscious Jackson music video and she kind of hits the TV like TV, good, bright colors, all that pretty sounds or something like that. And when she hits the TV, it has that sound. Do you remember how TVs used to be substantial? They used to be made of like... Glass and they had that nice, like, reverberating sound if you, like, bang something into the screen. And it's just... I just... I don't know. The sound effect was realistic, and it just made me nostalgic for a moment. <laughs> so, it's kind of a stretch, but that is my object of the episode. I don't actually need, like, a tiny old-school TV, but there you go. There is no outfit of the episode. I think they dressed... Okay. You know what? I'll give it to Buffy in her daydream at the very beginning of the episode. Let's give it to that. Okay. Let's do it. She's basically wearing, I think it's just like, I can't remember if it's a tank top or what, but it's definitely a black shirt. I think it was like a black tank top and she was wearing leather, black leather pants. So she just looked, she just looked cool. And there you go. Probably wearing black boots too. So, rare moment of actually getting some good fashion it's so sad that like the first two seasons of Buffy the fashion was so so good that it was like hard for me to pick who got outfit of the episode and now it's hard for me to pick because no one is wearing anything that's even memorable at all (laughs) um In the next episode, I will probably end up giving outfit of the episode to Veruca just because I like her style. Um, As Willow says earlier in this episode, have you met, have you met Veruca? Have you seen her? Dresses like Faith, voice like an albatross. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Okay. MVP of the episode. I'm going to give it to Xander because he was... He basically took the job as the bartender because he wanted to be, he wanted to find a way to be a part of Willow and Buffy's campus life. You know, he wanted to be able to be, to have a reason to be around them more. And he really did try to sort of like counsel Buffy um, when she came to visit him at the bar. He had like a little moment where he was almost comforting her. And then he got interrupted by his boss. And, you know, whenever everybody started reverting to cavemen, he figured out what was going on. He went to get Giles. He also, when when Giles and Buffy, or when Giles and Xander caught up to Buffy after she had gotten away from them, when, she, when they tried to, like, tie her up or something, and she was saving people, she was inside trying to save people during the fire Xander just like goes into the building he just runs straight in like not even thinking twice like he's gonna save he's gonna get in there and try to help so he did great this episode I don't know if he's ever won MVP of the episode or if he ever will again but there you go Xander unfortunately he doesn't get to keep his job as the bartender because he never goes back but that would be cool I mean, he obviously isn't legal to be a bartender, but it'd be cool if he could do that. Um, My quote of the episode is actually an exchange between Xander and Buffy. And it's just the thing that I always remember about this episode, which at one point Xander (laughs) says to Buffy, sorry, my phone is not silent. That is a daily reminder. Hey, it's daylight savings time, guys. Don't forget that. (laughs) I like to set my clocks back or forward or whatever on daylight savings time like way early so right now it's nine o'clock at night and since we're falling back I like to think of it as hey it's actually eight o'clock at night right now so I'll probably just like as soon as I get done recording this go set all my clocks in my house back and I got nowhere to be tonight I'm not waiting till fucking 2 a.m. or whatever to set my clocks back like let's do it now I I don't like daylight savings time, but I enjoy it in the fall because it means it's like, it's like the, a gift of an extra hour <laughs> and I have the Saturday off. So it's kind of nice to just like get an extra hour in my day off. Anyway, <laughs> sorry to anyone who's working graveyard shifts. Cause that sucks. Cause I bet, I mean, I just assume that like, you know, if you're working like 10 PM to 6 AM, you're going to have to work. 10 p.m. to 6 a.m., even though the time falls back during that time. I mean, surely you still get paid for the extra hour that you're working, but that really sucks for you. So I'm sorry if that's what you're going through right now. It could be because this episode will be up by then. So if you're listening during your graveyard shift at a convenience store right now, my heart goes out for y- to you, and I hope that I helped pass that extra hour in your life a little bit easier tonight. Okay, so the quote is Xander at one point is lecturing Buffy after he's cut her off. What do we learn about beer, Buffy? She says, foamy. <laughs> oh, I just love that. It's stupid, but I love it. Okay, five by five ratings for this episode. How were women treated in this episode? I'm not sure if this episode passes the Bechtel test. Unless it counts that Professor Walsh is telling a group of students in a classroom of which some of them are female with names that we know about the id, ego, and superego. But the only conversation that you get between Willow and Buffy is at the very beginning of the episode and they're talking about Parker. I think the entire time. Pretty sure. Um, and that's it. There's no other conversations between women in this episode, so it does not pass the Bechdel test as far as I know, unless you count Professor Walsh, like I said. Um, and it's just another one of those episodes that like, it's not necessarily treating women super well but it's not really treating them that badly either so it's just kind of another middle of the road like nothing really stands out to me as being like super um egregiously bad so we'll give it a three for that as far as enjoyability this episode I find it enjoyable like it's not it's not on anybody's top 10 list for sure it's a little on the nose for sure but it's nice to get that catharsis of Buffy finally hitting Parker over the head with a stick. <laughs> um, it's nice to get that. It's got some cute little jokes in there. Xander's not a dick in this episode. Um, I like Veruca. I like her whole thing, even though, like, you know, we're supposed to hate her because she breaks up Willow and Oz. But, and she's kind of a dick face. But as we'll talk about in the next episode but I love that band THC that she is lip syncing as performing as and I like her face and I was very bewitched by her when I first saw her on TV just like Oz is right now. So this episode is overall very enjoyable to me. Um really starting to be like I mean It's just something that I don't mention very often, but it's something that I do think about. People of color are just not there in Buffy. Like, I can't think of, like, a single side character right now. Um, We did see a person of color in this episode, actually, when Buffy steals the sandwich of a girl in class. So she's not treated very well, you know, she just gets her sandwich taken. That she was very politely and quietly eating in class. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. It's it, it's just something that needs to be pointed out every once in a while. There just aren't any people of color on Buffy. It's something that they do a little bit better with. They have, a, like, one character of color on Angel. He hasn't been added yet, but we'll meet him soon. But it's just pretty egregious that Joss Whedon shows are just, you know, 98% white people. And that sucks. It sucks. And it needs to be pointed out every once in a while that it sucks. So overall enjoyability of the episode, let's get back to that. It's, I mean, it's fine. I like it. I think it's funny. Um, I'm going to give it a, it seems too high to give it a four because it's not like that enjoyable but it's perfectly enjoyable so let's just you know do middle of the road and give it a three which means this episode gets a nine so time now to talk about angel Um, according to nikki stafford's episode guide on angel which is called once bitten yep i was like is it twice bitten no it's once cordy's new apartment is haunted by a ghost that seems intent on killing her but she refuses to seek help because her place is rent controlled Um, so this is written by Jane Espenson and directed by Scott McGinnis. Um, this is a pretty straightforward Poltergeist episode and it's Cordelia centric. We get some backstory to Cordelia for people that don't know about Cordelia. I guess they assumed that there would be people coming to the Angel show that had never seen Buffy, um, So I really, really like this episode of Angel. I need to go to my phone, actually, because I accidentally left my notes at my mom's house, so she took pictures of my notes for me so I wouldn't have to come get it. Okay. So this episode is called Room with a View, and it starts with... um, You're reminded that where Cordelia is living is a shithole. Like, she's got roaches everywhere. It's, It's just a terrible... Environment, she's got sludge coming out of her faucets, like it's awful. It's awful, and um, she it's just this whole episode is Cordelia centric and it's really enjoyable to me, actually. So she starts looking for a new place, and like she can't afford anything nice. And that's actually refreshing to see because most of the time in movies and TV, people are living in apartments that are way, way more than they could normally afford. Such as, you know, the biggest example of that that people usually use is the friend's apartment. But that was kind of put in that it was rent controlled because it used to belong to Phoebe's grandma or something like that. Or Monica's grandma. I don't know. Somebody's grandma. So they kind of explain it at one point because that apartment's just like, apparently it's just way too big and way too nice for people like them to be able to afford because I guess New York apartments are like the size of closets. Um, fortunately I have not had to deal with that in my life. I actually have quite a bit of space in the place that I live and it's, my mortgage is not that expensive. Like it's kind of a lot for me personally, but if you compare it to like an apartment in New York, if I was paying the same as my mortgage here, an apartment in New York would be like a tiny ass studio apartment. So anyway, all that is to say we're establishing that Cordelia feels guilty about the way that she used to be in high school. And she feels like the reason that she is having to live in a terrible apartment now is because she feels like she's paying some sort of penance. Um, for the way that she treated people in high school when she was, like, the popular girl and she was bitchy and all that shit. This episode is just great. We get these moments where Angel somehow, like, knows a bunch of information about Cordelia and he gets through to her in different ways. Like, at one point when, like, the poltergeist shit is happening and... He sort of yells at her, You're Cordelia Chase! Like you can stand up to this thing like let's do it and they kind of have to do an exorcism anyway the whole plot of this is just that it's established that she has a really crappy place to live she needs a new place to live they show like a little montage of her going to all these apartments of the places that she can afford and they're all total shitholes and then you see the one the one that is actually like if I did object of the episode with the angel episodes which I Just really don't. But if I did, it would be Cordelia's apartment in this episode because it's beautiful and she keeps it for a long time. So we get to see this set piece over and over. It's got like, it's just gorgeous. It's a wonderful place and it's furnished. So she gets it for her price range because Doyle has like some weird connection, but essentially she gets it because... People kill themselves in that apartment, and it happens a lot. And so, this ghost starts tormenting Cordelia, and she thinks that she's still having to pay. At one point, she says, I feel like I'm still paying for the way that I was in high school. I thought that getting this place was the end of it. So, it's like it kind of establishes that Cordy believes in karma a little bit, but also sort of establishes that she does want to evolve and you're going to see her evolve as a character in this episode or in this show. And that's one of the one of the reasons to watch Angel for me is Cordelia's character development once we get Wesley back Wesley's character development. Fred is a great character. I like her a lot. Um, Gunn doesn't end up being they don't give him a lot unfortunately, probably because he's a person of color and they just don't give him enough to do. I love Lorne. Um, yeah. And of course there's some Faith storylines in Angel. Those are the reasons to watch Angel. This is actually one of the episodes of Angel that is pretty damn decent. It seems like as we're talking about these episodes back to back, as they're getting started with Angel, I think Since a lot of the writers for Buffy were also writing for Angel, they probably didn't know at this point how that was all going to work out. And it almost seems like, I mean, for sure, Joss Whedon was paying a lot more attention to Angel at this point. And I think he was probably also taking a lot of his, getting his people to pay more attention to Angel as well. Because it really seems like, You know, a lot of people complain about season four of Buffy being kind of shitty. And I think part of that is because it starts off rocky. It seems like it's starting off rocky right now. And especially seeing it back to back with the Angel episodes. And some of them are really doing well. Like this particular episode, I just think is great. It's it's a very straightforward poltergeist story. There's, you know, ghost haunting shit in the end. Cordelia just sort of like yells at the ghost and tells her to get out of my house and it's really powerful and it shows really great character arc with Cordelia. The fact that it's written by Jane Espenson says a lot cuz I really really like her. She's one of the best Buffy writers. Her and Marty Noxon are like the biggest reasons that I love Buffy. Um like Jane Espenson is responsible for all the like the Jonathan and Andrew storylines that we'll get in a couple of years which makes me very happy it's just anyway anyway let me try to read my notes for this episode room with a view cordets I find it unbelievable that Angel would know to call the people that hung out with Cordelia in high school the Cordettes, which is not something that was ever spoken of on the show. Like, I think in, like, the fandom, they're referred to as the Cordettes. But anyway, Angel wouldn't know all that, but whatever. He does lurk, so you can really explain anything that Angel knows for no reason as he lurks. (laughs) She got peanut butter on the bed. She starts cutting up the linoleum. So basically at one point when she finds all the roaches, she goes over to Angel's house and just like sort of announces that she's going to stay with him until she can get a better place. And she's just awful to live with. She's not tidy at all. She ends up becoming tidy when she has the nice apartment. But so it's like she pulls her shit together out of nowhere. I think it makes sense that her apartment would be a total mess. It's sort of in the storyline, it kind of doesn't blame her for the roaches, but I think you'd have to be somewhat responsible to have them all over your house like that, right? I mean, maybe not. Maybe they just, you know, if you're in a really shoddy apartment, they just come through the walls from someone else's apartment and it's, I'm sure, I'm sure it can get gross, but anyway. Um... Ugh, there's this gross moment where... So Doyle basically hooks her up with this great apartment. And Angel and Doyle are talking about it later. And he says... He says some kind of douchebaggy gross things about Cordelia. Because he has a crush on her. And he is just sleazy about it. And at one point, he says to Angel after he's gotten her the apartment she's going to be grateful for a long, long time. Like just, it's just creepy. It's just creepy. I don't like Doyle and we don't get him for very long. Unfortunately, the actor had a lot of problems with addictions. And I think he killed himself like a year after that he left the show. So he has a tragic storyline in his life, um, unfortunately. So, you know, I feel for the guy, but he's just not a good character. I don't really like him that much. It's, I don't know. I'm kind of on Doyle countdown. (laughs) Like when's the season going to be over? So we don't have to see this guy's face anymore, (laughs) which I feel bad saying that because of the tragedy in his life, but it just, you know, (laughs) I don't like him there. I said it. Um oh yeah so that's not the only creepy thing he says earlier in the episode he at one point says I was wearing her down too wearing her down he's referring to Cordelia of course uh, Um Okay what's my page 2 Sun Cactus Angel that's a note I have so he shows up like with a housewarming gift of a cactus to give to Cordelia and he's standing outside on like the terrace in full sun's sunrise full sun he just walks in I I hate that they just like I don't know I hate those little things like that it's like give us the details at least have him running in with a giant smoking blanket like Spike does <laughs> you know Spike gets around in the daylight all the time but like he kind of catches himself on fire every time. And it's funny. Anyway. Um, how am I more than that? Like, I'm still getting punished. Blah, blah, blah. So the, it turns out that the ghost is actually um, this mom that was super possessive of her son. And she actually, she built the building. Um, and she actually built, built him into a wall inside the apartment and right after she like laid all the brickwork and plastered over the wall and hung a picture up on it like she did the whole thing herself and right after she did it she had a heart attack and died so like she was found a few days later but he just had to like starve to death in the wall I guess although like if you really think about that you can easily pick it apart that like he would probably still be alive when people came in to find her. So he could probably like scream out and people could hear him in the wall and somebody could have saved him. Probably, right? I would think so. So anyway, the whole haunting was the mom trying to kick her out. And so she, they do, they get him out. There's Latin. There's Cordelia saying, get out of my house. They get her out. But Dennis... The, and this just sort of sets up this sort of funny gag they're going to refer to every once in a while when you're in Cordelia's apartment, that like Dennis is still there and he kind of, Cordelia refers to him as her roommate. And, um, it's just this funny little gag that every once in a while throughout the series, when you're in Cordelia's apartment, she'll be like, Dennis, stop moving that chair or whatever. And, you know, it's just, she just sort of accepts it. Like, she's so intent upon keeping this beautiful apartment that she will put up with whatever. She'll put up with cohabitating with a ghost. She's fine. I really like that aspect of the whole thing. I find it believable, me personally. (laughs) I'm kind of obsessed with aesthetics in my surroundings and the way that I dress. And, like, I really like to control the way that things look around me that's important to me and I feel like I would have the same reaction to if the perfect apartment that I could afford had you know a ghost or something I would probably just sort of suck it up and deal with it too I'd be like it's fine whatever as long as the place is beautiful (laughs) um okay what else do I have on my notes At one point, the thing that kind of, like, activates Cordelia, like, she's, there's this moment where she's, like, all snivelly, and she's, like, really been worn down by this ghost that's been berating her and telling her that she's nothing and she doesn't deserve anything and blah, blah, blah. She sort of reverts to, like, you know, sniveling and crying, and she's not good at that. Like, as an actress, she's not good at that charisma carpenter, but, um what activates her is the ghost calls her a bitch and she sort of stands up and she goes, that's right. I am a bitch. I'm not a snivelly little cry Buffy. I like that. Snivelly little cry Buffy. I am Cordelia motherfucking chase. Get out of my house. It's, it's a really great moment. Um, so that's it. I mean, it's just basically a straightforward ghost haunting poltergeist story And it establishes Cordelia growing as a character. It establishes that she wants to grow as a character. It, you know, seeing her have a nice place to live is great. Um, I don't know. I just like this episode. As far as treatment of women, I wrote that it did pass the Bechdel test. Um, I took these notes three days ago. I guess just two days ago. I don't remember what makes it pass. At some point, I guess the ghost lady talks to Cordelia. I mean, I guess it's just because the ghost lady, I mean, she is referring to her son quite a bit, but sometimes she's just telling Cordelia, you, you ain't shit, basically. So that does pass, unfortunately. (laughs) That's the only conversation you get between two women. God, it's really dark before Fred gets there. Like, Cordelia is the only chick in this cast until Fred gets there. So that's a little sad. Um, and I think we have to wait till like season two or three before Fred is there. Um, anyway. Um, so there you go. Treatment of Women. I give it a three. Pretty middle of the road. Like, this is a, an episode that is pretty heavily focused on Cordelia. Um, and it's not too, It's not too shitty to her. Oh, Cordelia also talks on the phone to her friend Aura um, about what's going on with her. So that's where it passes the Bechdel test again. Um. So yeah, middle of the road as far as treatment of women. As far as enjoyability of the episode, I really like it. Um, I give it a four. So this episode gets a twelve. For final score so just to like get some business out of the way here or out of the way just get it in at the end (laughs) um we still have one two three four solid weeks in a row of Buffy episodes to talk about we will take a break on December 7th there's no episode to talk about that day but December 14th we'll get to talk about Hush so we're still in a pretty solid stretch of talking about Buffy every week and it's I'm glad to do it Uh, I hope you guys are have had a great Halloween um don't forget to set the clocks back if you're listening on the second um and you're in a daylight savings time zone if you're not then just thank your gods and goddesses that you don't have to do that shit (laughs) Because, like, even though it's fun to set your clocks back an hour right now, in spring it fucking sucks to lose an hour, I think, anyway. Of course, that's another time in which, if you work a graveyard shift, it's probably great for you because you get to leave an hour earlier. (laughs) Anyway, I will see y'all next week. Bye!